Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is Josh Mahakowitz. And this is Keith Morrison. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. That was so thrilling. Special, special, extra special edition. I can't believe this is happening. This is a dream. We begged. It it is in honor of our sixth year anniversary for the podcast. Can you believe it's been six years? Wow. And we thought, what better way to have two of our favorite gentlemen on the show and just have some fun talking about random fun things for those diehard Dateline fans who just want to get to know you better. We're so grateful to have you both here. I have a hard-hitting question to ask first. Do either of you know what Scandaval is? I have no idea. That's good. Scandaval. Have you seen the word floating around? Spell it. It is like scandal, but the last name of the person is Sandoval. I do not know what that is. Okay. It's Vanderpump Rules. I just learned about it like yesterday, but it's taken the world by storm. So I was just curious. Sorry. I don't like using the word storm anymore ever since I learned that that's what Lori Vallow and Chad Tavell refer to each other. Yeah. I didn't um, mean to say that, but... Um, good to know that you guys have ro- ro- risen above. Yeah, I'm Bravo um, reality shows. I have not. Yeah, you know, I'm not watching <laughs> enough Bravo. Yeah, well, <laughs> we rarely move away from these uh, cloistered offices of ours. <laughs> and the Bravo people don't stop by. Not like you guys do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the door every week with an yeah. edible arrangement. Right. Let us in. <laughs> How long have you two known each other? Too long. Uh, wow. Um, took- yeah, uh, 1995. Yeah, that's okay. Right. 1995. The thing is, and I love Josh. I've always loved Josh. But we we have always we started out by doing kind of opposing stories about things. I remember opposing stories about diets and this mm-hmm. and that. We just seemed to take opposing views about stuff. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, on the same show. Well, maybe on successive weeks. I think you yeah. know at the beginning we weren't doing hours. So it was right. possible to do a variety of within the four. And also we were on several times a week with brand new shows each time. So sometimes I would do one on Tuesday and, you know, he'd respond to it on Friday. Mm-hmm. So there's always built, been a bit of a rivalry. Um, I would say good natured rivalry. Sure. sure. Yes. All are on the rivalry. Part. Yeah. I go. will say that of all the people at Dateline that we work with, particularly out here on the West Coast, uh, you know, which is, I don't know, somewhere between a dozen and 20 people. He's the one I see the least because I work with the producers and associate producers, but he's on a different story from me. So I actually don't see him in person very often at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite right. Uh, I do have something for you, though. Hang on one sec. And I keep meaning to bring it and give it to you on those infrequent occasions when I see you. And I keep forgetting. Talking? I'm talking to you. Hang on, hang on one second here. Hang on. Oh. Are we going to see a gift exchange? I think we might. I have no gift for him. So (laughs) So not really an exchange. I got this on Etsy. Uh Oh, Oh, gosh. Etsy products. (laughs) Okay. So I got this on Etsy because it was so fabulous. And I'm going to give it to you whenever next I see you. I should probably leave it in the car, which would be the way to do it. Anyway, on this side, it says... Oh, it's reversed, but it says, it says an ordinary cup of coffee, or was it? Right? <laughs> and on the other side <gasps> is a fabulous drawing. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be yours. And you'll be filling that up with the tea that you <laughs> drink all the time. Just so delightful. Thank you. Yes. yes. There's quite a bit of merch for there, Keith on yes, Etsy. There is not enough mang There's not enough. Well, you know. <laughs> It began with, at least the first time I was aware of it, maybe it began sooner than this, but when I became aware of it was those uh, true crime candles in which we're weirdly wearing togas, which I've never understood what the point of that is. And even Lester, Lester's on one as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and they popped up at CrimeCon about seven or eight years ago, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And what they said was, you know, the money we raise from these are going for untested rape kits. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. Dateline said to me, is that true? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't have anything to do with this. Like, I don't know this person. Like, I'm sure. But why not? Maybe it is true. I don't know. But I think their feeling is that all of that, that third party merchandise 
probably helps us by, you know, essentially getting our name out there as opposed to like having to call the legal department and sue each one of these people, which mm. seems like a waste of money. Um, and like, you know, this kind of this is the price for being in the popular culture. Yeah. You know? As someone who has an Etsy shop and has had things taken down. I appreciate that. It's a, this is a remarkably good drawing of you, I have to say. It is. It is. That, it. Nice drawing of me 45 years ago. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. I think it works. I like it. Yeah, we anyway. also received those specific candles as gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kimberly yeah. and I yeah. did. I mean, I don't <laughs> have one, but our boss has a full set in her yeah. office in New York. I'm jealous because the only one I can still find is Andrea. Yeah. I had some at my parents' house, some here, and Andrea is the only one that has survived. I'm looking at her right now. She may not I be. Think, when that, she, woman, that woman may not be making them anymore. I don't think they make them anymore. Yeah, I yeah. reached out to them on Instagram a while ago for some more, and I don't think they're still in business, <laughs> I have, sadly. Yeah. The toga thing I didn't get. Also, at least, on, at least on mine, my head was like the size of the full moon. Correct. Like it was Way bigger than my body. It was good. It's nice. I'm waiting for Keith to say something snarky. Yeah. In a way, in a way that makes the perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> we all saw that coming. Okay. Yeah. You, you set yourself up for it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So uh, let's go back. We want to get to know you guys a little bit more. Mank, you posted a photo of your Mattel Detective Squad yes. badge. So you were a child PI. I was a child PI. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned the Hardy Boys. I was very big into the Hardy Boys, very big. Keith, what do, were you interested in any crime solving as a young Keith Morrison? Not at all, not even a little bit. My very ver- very first job, very first job in the media was um, in which I did anything actual media related was in radio when I was sent off to cover magistrates' court, which is, I suppose, covering crime in a way. So every morning in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, I'd go down to the magistrates' court, where Judge King, was his name, would have people hauled up in front of him, and he'd give them lectures and either give them a fine or send them home with a you know sharp retort. And I'd have to go back to the station, say who they were, what they'd been accused of, or what they'd been convicted of, and put it on the air. And it just was a smallish town at the time. I mean, dude, that's crime reporting. Yeah, it's yeah. and I hated it. I thought these people are nice people. <laughs> Their mothers come to me as I'm going out of the courtroom, and they're saying, "Please don't run that story about my son. Oh. Nice boy." Wow, and awful. So I avoided crime reporting for quite a long time. Um, oh, not only wow. not, not only did I read Encyclopedia Brown when I was a kid. And I was actually pretty good at actually solving the mysteries and Alfred Hitchcock solved them yourself mysteries, which is harder than Encyclopedia Brown, as I recall. But I still keep this on my desk at all times (laughs) just because it makes me feel like a real sleuth. Do you have a name for the sleuth that you are? Oh, no, no, I'm I'm a lunatic, but I'm not that crazy. But yeah, Um, (laughs) no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Just making sure. But yes, I was a member of the Mattel detective society somebody on twitter wrote back to me and said were you the bad mattel detective or the good mattel detective uh, <laughs> yeah i uh, saved it all these years i just found a bunch of this stuff it's one one of the things that's behind all these new photos that i'm putting out is is i did a renovation in my home and a huge number of boxes had to be thrown out and so i had to go through them and that's when i found all of these old photographs and things like my mattel id we discussed last time you were on your Halloween costumes as a child, but we never asked Keith. I can't remember what Manx was. Well, mine was twofold. You know, I had the yeah. costume that mom made me, which was right. like, you know, a sheet with a couple of holes cut out. Mm-hmm. And then I would make one pass at the neighborhood with that. And then I would come oh, home. Right. That's take, right. Take that off. It was put, a con. Put on the, right. the yes. mask that I bought at 7-Eleven for like a dollar fifty and go back to the cherry picked houses, which had the best stuff. And then that was when you made the real haul. Let me just say. <laughs> what crime. a scoundrel. Yeah. So yeah. what about you, Keith? <laughs> I'm just not very interesting in that regard. No, I had the sheet with the holes kind of cut into it. That's about <laughs> the extent of it. Yeah. I think I tried to be a cowboy once. Yeah. But I couldn't find a cowboy hat, so I just put on a checked shirt and said I was a cowboy. And that was about it. it works. Yeah. yeah it, it works. works. I, I found that people just give candy to children no matter what they're wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put in that much effort. And you only did one pass 
unlike this even. I would have felt so terrible going back again. I, uh-huh. It would have felt like I was besmirching my own character. Like somehow, <laughs> somehow. Wow, wow did I not feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on team maximum candy, I have oh, to say. How, what is the way that I could get the most? I literally, candy. I would. Buy, I remember when I would buy that on, I walked home from school. Sometimes I would pass a 7 Eleven and I would go in, you know, and in September they'd start selling like really cheap Halloween costumes, which was usually mm-hmm. like a mask and a cape that made you look like Batman or Superman or something. Snap up one of those for a dollar, dollar fifty. Yep. Put it under my bed at home, and then Halloween night, man, that was the second pass. It was great. <laughs> I'm so amazed bad. everybody didn't do that. But I'm I, really disappointed I didn't think of yeah. it. The trick was to not say anything. Just hold your bag out at the second place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. It's very smart. Yeah. Um, Mank has been known to have a fear of robots, irrational or rational. Keith has just done his second episode about a case involving teenagers, which is one of Katie's fears. Oh, yeah. um, teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Um, a reasonable fear, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Thank okay, you. Okay, that's what I was going for. How do you feel about teenagers? Boy, teenagers are capable of really incredibly awful things when they put their minds to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. But I, those are some of the most disturbing stories we do, don't you think? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mean girls. Mm-hmm. The young girls decide they're going to go after somebody. And they do. Mm-hmm. Oof. How do you feel about robots? Well, you know, robots, robots are not that terrifying. Frankly, I, I think they're kind of cute. I don't have as much a fear of robots as a belief that robots, like those ones from Boston Dynamics that they're always showing, like those are going to kill people. Like maybe all of us and armed with AI, like that's the end. That's like the robots won't kill us. The AI will. Yeah. But I mean, but they'll, but they'll put the AI in the robot and then lights out, dude. That's it. How do you know they're not going to like you, Josh? They might think you're charming and, you know, you talk a lot. And so you, you might be the king of the robots. I could yeah. be, but I don't think it's going to work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> if you grew up watching Lost in Space, the robot, which was occasionally friendly, but frequently malevolent. Uh, That's when I first sort of got the idea that the robots were a problem. And there's a great sort of noirish science fiction movie that came out, I'm going to say around 1980, called The Black Hole, Robert Forster, Jan Michael Vincent. And there's a malevolent robot in that too. Well, how do you both feel about aliens and ghosts? I wish. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I think that would make life so much more interesting if the aliens kind of would <laughs> in and out of our lives in a ghostly sort of way. I don't know about mm-hmm. ghosts. I feel like if aliens are coming past Earth, they're like locking the doors. They're like, <laughs> oh, no, we're not stopping. No. They don't want any part no, of what we're – they've no. watched Dateline. Yeah. No, they know like, what we're up to. They know about teenagers. Yeah, they're not they're coming like, here. Like, no, <laughs> let's, go, let's go on to Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> Keith has spent a lot of time in Idaho lately. Boy, boy, Idaho, yes. It, no, we know how Meg feels about Florida. I was wondering if there's a state that you feel like you've been to more than others or has the craziest true crime that's coming Well, you up. know, I used to do more in Florida because, one, my mom lived there uh, when she was alive. And so I used to, when I would do a story there, I would go visit her afterward. But also, you know, Dennis lives in Florida. Dennis so he does a ton yeah. of Florida stuff. And we have a producer who lives there now also. I have definitely been in Texas a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. But um, mm-hmm. I've done a bunch of stories there. And I got a bunch more coming. But I like Texas. Texas is great. And with you know, without Texas and Florida, we'd probably be off the air. We could stay on the air just with Idaho, Utah, and, and Alaska. Yeah. Don't count out Arizona. Yeah, Arizona is yeah is the fl- Florida of the West. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, something is happening in Idaho. Idaho's got a lot going on right and now. And they seem though. to come in batches, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, there'll be a ton of stories in Las Vegas and then disappears off the radar for a while in the mm-hmm. other part of yeah. the country. Yeah. Lot. Montana. Yeah. Which there, I don't think there's a lot of people there, there so I'm surprised. But, there's a, but the ones that are there are homicidal. Yeah. <laughs> you Appar- heard it here first. Apparently, yeah. Places like Montana remind me of the old Agatha Christie uh, episodes because the crimes, the terrible murders, sometimes multiple murders, always happen in these small villages. The picturesque. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm forever, you know, Googling Spain's most baffling murder. 
nothing, you know, mm. but really? yeah. 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 But Paris, Texas is yeah, most baffling murder <laughs> that, <laughs> I got, that we got. Uh, if cops were searching your trash for your DNA, mm -hmm. what would they find the most of? Uh, coffee grinds. Yeah. Coffee grinds. They find all my, my trash is put into little plastic baggies, Ziploc bags, probably inside some rubber gloves, which are inside Ziploc bags. Wow. And they have to analyze it that way. But but there's nothing unusual, you know, <laughs> nothing suspicious. Fun. Of course yeah. not. We had some questions about tells. I recently read that people looking up and to the right has been disbunked, debunked. Oh, you uh, did? I read that. Or disbunked. Was, yeah. Or disbunked. Unbunked. Um, yeah. Unbunked. Right. Non-bunkified. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed in your particular interviews a certain tell that you now look for? If people are lying. Like, like if Keith was just lying about his garbage, what would we have noticed? Maybe? Well, he's not. Keith would never lie about anything. No. That's actually one of the things I hate about Keith. He's I'm real, relentlessly not truthful. Not go back people's houses at Halloween to get a second batch of <laughs> candy. I just don't. Very know. honest. Yeah, that's the <laughs> truth. Yeah. Uh, I never looked for the looking up into the right, which I guess to me is looking up into the left. I never paid any attention to that. Okay. Um, I guess if people won't maintain eye contact with you, that's one thing. When people use your when people use your name, that always makes me crazy. You know, yeah. we don't like that. When I was covering politics, there was a TV reporter in New York who was the only person in town who had not figured out that politicians were using his name in answers as a way of getting that answer on television. It was get he was getting manipulated by everybody, and. He was the only person who didn't seem to understand that because he always used it. And then people would respond, you know, well, so-and-so, yeah, that's a good question. I'm like, uh, you know, stop it. But no. I generally tell when people are trying to manipulate. The narcissists stand out because they're always right about the little details and they're always perfect. So there are those kind of tells. But I'd be the up and to the right or the shifty eyes, yeah. that, I don't think they really tell you very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when people won't answer the question, when people are obfuscating generally and don't want to answer, then I, that's sort of when I get suspicious. But look, I mean, generally, not always, but generally when we go into those interviews, we have a pretty good idea of what they're going to say because we know what their defense is going to be in court or what they're accusing somebody else of. Or, you know, if they're a prosecutor and they didn't get a conviction, we already know what argument they made that maybe didn't work with the jury. So we sort of have some sort of preview of that. We're not like the cops interviewing these people for the first time in the interrogation room. It's a little right. different. They've had a chance to prepare. We've asked for the interview. They've agreed. Right. We set up a time and we're all sitting there. So it's a pre-rehearsed thing they're telling us and they have uh, mm. to think about it. Mm. That makes sense. Speaking of time, I just have a quick question about seeing we just had the trial of Lori Vallow. Mm -hmm. How fast did that move on your end, on Dateline's end, to have that episode Hours, done? right? Well, so yeah, we got the verdict that's what, in the noon hour, and we had it on the air that night. Yeah, it takes unbelievable. It takes a amount of pre-planning. Uh, but we had done that story. Half a dozen two-hour shows uh, gives you some material to pick from. We had a lot of people on the ground there, too, and yeah. in New York, you know. Yep. It takes an army to put together a Dateline show in a hurry like that. Are yeah. you um, going to cover Chad's trial if there's a trial? Obviously, please. Or are you just done? You know, it's an endlessly fascinating tale. I, I'm not tired of it, oddly. You'd think after now seven trips to the television that I would be finished, but no. Yeah. It's interesting. No, we're, we'll, we're, we'll keep doing it, right? Maybe he will, uh, he'll blame Laurie. Mm-hmm. That even though she refused to let her attorneys blame him, she was so angry at them. Yeah. Or in their argument at the end of the trial, suggesting she was just a follower and Chad was doing the leading. And boy, was she angry. She uh, wouldn't speak to them for quite some time. When the jury was finally dismissed, she did that kind of arms crossed and she was just yeah. pouting. Yeah. Real severe. <laughs> Refused to say goodbye to her lawyers and she's walking out the door. Oh, she did. Yeah. Wow. Walking out the door to the slam. The slammer. Yeah. Wouldn't he? Right. Wow. So do you watch each other? I know Mank watches. Oh, yeah. He's tweeting yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah. Do you, Keith, do you watch Mank's episodes? Always. I, I watch them critically. I take out a, um, a pad and a pencil. I take notes so I know what. And do you say, I would have said that better? 
Oh no, never. No, I'm always I'm a great admirer, of Josh, and I, I, I you know, I, I want to imitate without making it too obvious. I, I say, <laughs> I say, I would have said that better. <laughs> Sent him little voice texts on the phone. Yeah. You really could have used me to yeah. punch up that line. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, I watch all the stories. Uh, I usually don't watch them live, or maybe I'll start an hour later so I can zip through yeah. the ads or something. Um, sometimes I watch them the next day, but I do try and watch it because first of all, usually, the ones I usually don't watch are my own because I've already seen them a couple of times by the time mm. they air. Right. But everybody else, you know, you always learn something. You always think like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have thought about this, but that actually worked. Is there ever a case that you wish that you would have been the reporter on? Oh, constantly, yeah. Because you can't do them all. I yeah. can't. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's usually, when we're getting assigned stories, there's usually more stuff than there are reporters. I've said this before, like, you don't have to say yes to everything. On the other hand, if you say no to everything, then you're being a kind of a pain. So, you know, I pay more attention to sometimes who the producers are, people I've worked with before that I know, you know, we have a good working relationship. I know I can trust their instincts about something or it's in a place that is easily accessible from LA. One of the great things about Texas is you can fly to Dallas in the morning, do an interview that afternoon. If yeah. you're going to the East Coast, like you're losing a day of travel each way, yeah. which I don't really enjoy. And I don't want to I don't want to spend more time on planes than I have to. Yeah. So I like doing stuff sort of more in the West. Also, Dennis is in Florida. Andrea is in New York. You know, mm-hmm. I know you probably can't tell me, but the story of the dermatologist who is my mom's dermatologist who poisoned her husband with Drano. And he set up a camera because he was suspicious right. and saw it happening. Do we, is that, are we going to get that data? Is it in Newport Beach? Where is it? It's yeah, Newport. it's in Orange County. Yeah, it's in Orange County. I think we will get that one. Yeah. I, that's my prediction. Yeah. Okay. I, I know nothing about that, which makes me think he's already. I tweeted it at you yeah. and you said, oh, no, that's no. Joni's dermatologist. Oh, no, I, uh, that I know. You I'm knew Joni's involvement. No, what I'm yeah. saying is I don't know. I don't know anything about whether or not we're doing it, but that makes me gotcha. think that. It might be too obvious because we all know. It. Yeah, someone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. someone else might be doing yeah. it. Yeah. Someone else. <gasps> yeah. Okay, well, if you need a patient of that doctor, I know one. I will tell you the inherent problems with that story, which is there's not going to be five suspects. Right, you know, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to say, oh, and somebody's ex was stalking them. And so, I mean, when, when you figure out what it is, then right. who it is is sort of guaranteed. And that's going to be sort of the trick of telling that story. Um, and so it's a little bit different story. It's not as much going to be much of a who done it as a how could they, you know? Right. There is. Josh tends to take a kind of a glass half empty approach to these. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. And, uh, you know. Right. In the Lori um, Vallow story, for example, are you looking for a bunch of different suspects? Well, no, but it's an interesting story in its own right. Right, but that's the story. Like, how could they kill their kids in the name of religion? I mean, that's the question at the beginning, middle, and end of that story. Like, like how could you? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the template for my favorite story is one that we did in, like, uh, I think about 2011 in Texas. Um story of a woman named Angie Samoda who was killed after a night out with a friend. Mm -hmm. And there were immediately three suspects. There was the guy she'd gone out with Mm. who was not her boyfriend, but who clearly had a big crush on her. There was her actual boyfriend who showed up at the crime scene having at like three in the morning, having just Mm -hmm. uh, clearly showered and was wearing a fresh shirt, which the cops noticed. Mm -hmm. And her ex-boyfriend who maybe she had some kind of order of protection against or something. She was scared of him. And he had apparently once threatened her with a knife and she was killed with a knife. Right. So there were these three suspects and Mm. we go through this whole thing in which the cops figure out which one of them it is. And then the guy lawyers up and he moves to Mexico and and he he basically is out of law enforcement's reach. And they're pretty sure they know who it is, but they can't get him and they don't quite have enough to for an arrest. And then the woman's, uh, best friend becomes a PI to help solve this murder, which was a great story. Sheila. And she was just on a on a subsequent dateline yeah. about a month ago. 
And she keeps pressing the Dallas Police Department to test the rape kit so then they'll have the information. Finally, they find the rape kit. Finally, they test the rape kits. All Sheila made, she called the police department like 700 times to get them to do it. Some outrageous number of calls. And they test it. And it turns out it's none of the three guys. It was some random guy in the parking lot who's already locked up on some other rape. That was like that. That's the story is when you're like, Wait, it's not any of the Mm -hmm. people you thought it was. That's the kind of story I love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That makes total sense. Keith, is there anything like a storyline like that that would make you go, oh, yeah, I really want to cover this? I like more of the sort of stories that involve an unusual character and a character development. Mm -hmm. We did one involving a woman named Sarah who had been uh, was on her fifth husband. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who had died of a what turned out to be an insulin overdose. Mm-hmm. The people I work with who are much smarter than I am, we all went back to her origins, to the very beginning of her life, and they we kind of traced her life all the way up to the present time because mm-hmm. the prosecutor we talked to when we heard about this story uh, said, you've got to look into her past. That's what I'm trying to do because I've got a real good case to make here, and I just need to know more about her and what else she has done because I think there are other people in her past who might be dead. Mm-hmm. We did that look, and it was absolutely fascinating. That was great. That was great. Yeah, I love watching the development of a person and talking to all the people involved in their lives when it's that kind of life, that is. You know what was a great story, and I don't think we're going to be able to do this very often because, one, we don't necessarily have access to the central character the way we did in this one. And we're not going to get this kind of airtime over five nights, but that thing we did uh, called The Widower. Which was done. Yeah. She's the female widower. Yeah, which was Sarah. done by our producer, Dan Sleppy. And there wasn't even a correspondent on that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had access to the guy, and we'd had access to the guy for years and years and years. And you saw him, his story evolve and his lies evolve, and these women were dying. I mean, he was just getting away with it again and again and again and again and again. We told that story, I think. Five three hours nights. over three nights, I mm-hmm. think. That was and, great. Yeah, it was great. I was I was riveted. Along came Sarah felt a lot like we both thought it was a lot like the widower. And we then, should set those people up with each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I really wanted to know on the Sarah episode is you gave us snippets of the text messages that she was sending producers. And I was just wondering how much she was trying to communicate. Our host of, of text messages. I think we lost track when it passed about 275 over the course of a few days. And then I had to stop at some point. But it was unbelievable. One after another, after another, after another. They would just keep on coming. Well, she oh. has all the time in the world in prison and no data plan. She does. I guess. She- wants to go to every single argument and you know talk her way out of stuff yeah no data plan a woman in conversation she can make you think the mood is made of green cheese yeah all manner of things she is good at that sort of thing some people aren't and you would believe her so Mm -hmm. we're in a conversation with this woman and you didn't have any facts about her and Mm -hmm. about a case she's involved in there's someone you'd sit across from and you wouldn't get any tells at all. She's just really good at this. Some people mm. aren't. Yeah. Some people have convinced themselves that they didn't do the thing that they actually did. And and mm-hmm. yeah, those people are sort of impenetrably good at it. Wow. Yeah. That's frightening. Yeah. Speaking of Dateline interviews, we before COVID, we got a lot of um, shots. Sometimes you'd meet with people at a bar. Sometimes you'd be at a pool table mm-hmm. while you're talking it's, to somebody. But are we ever going to return to that? And then Katie had the brilliant question, something we talk about all the time. Yeah, there there is some sort of mysterious warehouse that appears. Um, either the interview seems to be taking place there, or mm-hmm. sometimes detectives are filmed in a kind there's of like a brick wall warehouse setting. It just seems to be an open. Well, there's a wonderful place we use in uh, North Hollywood here in I LA. Knew it called the goat house is that what it's called i think that is what it's called i use it more than he does because it's it's way farther from where keith lives than from where i live Mm -hmm. um but it's a very 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 large room and so it's got a lot of different and it's set up as a studio and they shoot all kinds of stuff in there i mean I, Mm -hmm. i i mean i imagine probably commercials and all kinds of corporate videos and other stuff in there and they got a lot of props you can move around different furniture and things like that and different rooms like you can be in one room and then over your shoulder you see a doorway and another room and that's all part of the set and you can light that stuff 
differently. And the crew's like that because you need a lot of room beyond just the two of us and the can mm-hmm. and the two cameras. You need yep. some depth to it. And so if we see two cops and they're putting stuff up on a random bulletin board and well, it's not their office, they might be in some sort of they might be, like although that. usually if we're doing that, we usually are in their office. But I, I'll tell you that place in North Hollywood has subbed for a lot of places, afternoon. and particularly during pandemic when we weren't traveling, but we used that a lot. I haven't been there lately. The pandemic is what started all of this, and it was, a, in a way, a gift to us because we uh, had to develop the technology and the ability to do interviews with people remotely and mm-hmm. interviews that were, you know, you have enough of a rapport with the person that it appears that they're sitting right across from you. And you have that feel in the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of video, it had to be kind of seamless because you don't, you know, the dateline, remember, we're going to rerun these things. You don't want to be looking at this thing in four years and thinking like, oh, well, that was clearly 2020 because they're obviously, it was during pandemic. You can't tell. The way we did it, you can't tell. I work with a camera man who is absolutely extraordinarily good at mimicking to the extent that it looks like the other side of whatever room that the principal in the interview is being filmed. So that person in a, you know, in a church in Idaho and the background looks like I'm sitting in one of the pews in Idaho. Let's, let's say his name. Let's give him, let's give him some props here. Tom, Tom Tanqueray is just so great. We'll work together. We're at a place called the museum. It's an event space in Orange County. And I do most of my interviews there. Uh, I did during the pandemic, I was doing them in the Laguna Playhouse in a theater there. Oh, I know it well. Yeah. But (laughs) it has freed us from having to travel to every single shot we get. It allows us to do a lot more with less. But for the pandemic, like, in those two places, the place Keith's talking about, yeah. and the place I'm talking about, those saved us. I mean, we were, mm-hmm. you know, we did a lot of stuff there and we made it made it look different. And on the air, you couldn't really tell. You, you know? can't. Yeah. It yeah. looks seamless, it honestly. Yeah. It looks seamless to the point of it's, we're trying to figure out how it was done because yeah. it uh, clearly you couldn't be where we thought you were. Yeah. The crews we have like Tom are so great at that. Yeah. Are the crew, do they tend to stay with Dateline for a while? Are these people that have been here multiple years? A they are generally thing? freelancers, but they're people that we work with regularly again and again. Got it. I've worked on for over 25 years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I mean, neat. You know, and some of the guys yeah. we work with, they say, oh, you know, I was working with 2020 last week on this other thing, you know. Oh, oh, wow. oh you're an enemies. Yeah. 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 Brand X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brand X. Yeah. Uh, I'd ask them about their other shoots and you trust that they won't tell the other people. Yeah, Yeah, they have to have a zip lip about that. They generally do. Yeah. So in term, we had a couple people reach out saying they are journalism majors or their child is a journalism major. Any advice? Because we're just talking about it shifting with technology and things. Uh, What would you do? Writing is going to transcend any changes in technology. That's always going to be a skill that's going to be in demand. And if you can write, you're always going to have an ability. You're always going to have a skill that will be valuable in journalism. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. That's good advice. Well, yes, writing. I mean, I worry about AI and what it's going to do to the corporate need to put out products and put it out inexpensively and quickly, where it will replace most of the writing, probably at some point. Um, the ability to be a good and very individualistic writer, I'm hoping, will, you know. I, I mean, it's what's kept us going all this time. But it's a worry. There's no question about it. I would challenge um, AI to come up with scrum, which is a word, Keith, that I believe you used that I was very excited about because I had not heard of that word before. Scrum? Scrum. It's, no. a, it's rugby, right? Well, it's, it comes from rugby, but it was, it was used extensively in my old days in Canada covering politics, where the prime minister would come out of the House of Commons and all the reporters would kind of surround him. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a scrum. Right. It is a bit a word that you can picture it in your head, but I just really liked mm-hmm. it. it. It worked for me. Right. And no AI is coming no. up with, if bad decisions were money, she would be a Rockefeller. <laughs> or a constellation of ailments 40 was barreling down on her like a chinese bullet train no, we no defy ai yeah 
I will say that's something really nice that Dateline is able to do, though, with the host, specifically with the reporter on the story, is that it's told in a way that's compassionate. It's not just a story. It's a story that's told in a specific way by Dateline and by both of you and Andrea and Dennis. Everyone does has their own way of doing it. But you feel like you're sort of involved in the story, too, by watching it. And there's just something about that. And I don't see that on I'm not going to say the other shows. Well, you just I don't mean, see it. You know, our bosses, David Corvo and Liz Cole, the executive producers of Dateline, have said these words. This is not my parsing what they say. They've said these words. They want a Josh story and a Keith story and an Andrea story and a Dennis mm. story to seem different. They want you mm. to know which, which one's mm-hmm. which. And yeah. so they mm-hmm. encourage that here, which is one of the things that makes this such a great place to work for me. It's true. Mm-hmm. A lot of places homogenize and Dateline doesn't. Yeah. I mean, we do have a certain way, all of us, of telling a story. It's a dateline way of telling the story. It's a dateline structure, et cetera. But they don't try to influence what you do or aren't. No, I mean, when I, you know, when confronted with the evidence, Matt started to fold quicker than the overnight crew at the Gap. They didn't say, we can't say that. I don't get it. People won't understand. They just said, that's great. And they didn't say a word. And on it went. And no AI is writing that line either. No, no. No, AI wouldn't be caught dead writing a line like that. (laughs) Get reprogrammed. Do you have time for a couple rapid fire questions? Yes. Sure. How do you feel about cake smashing at a wedding? The terrible old fashioned idea that should go away. It's like blowing on candles. I really want it to just go away. Cake smashing at weddings? You know, the groom or, or bride smashing smashing the cake into the other person's face? That's a terrible thing to do. Who would do a thing like that? Exactly. All the time. I think it's a direct precursor to Dateline. I completely <laughs> agree. I mean, a marriage, a marriage should not begin with an act of violence, I'm going to no. say. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you go to people's houses and they have that photo, like, out. Yeah. No, don't show that no. to the world. No, 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 no. It's not great. How do you unwind after stressful cases? Is there a Dateline bowling league that we don't know about? Yeah. <laughs> what a good idea. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think we should all bowl. That's good. Yeah, good so no. No. Pe- Curled up uh, on our couch and, uh, you know, hold our stomachs. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. My big way of relaxing is not answering the phone uh, <laughs> or yeah. email. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Uh, what's the most recent movie either of you saw? Oh boy. Uh, I just saw Marlowe, uh, which isn't out yet with Liam Neeson. I paid to see it online ahead of time. He's playing the character that other actors have played. Um, it's okay. It's okay. It's an interesting, um, I saw it cause of him. Marlowe, you know, Philip Marlowe, Philip Marlowe, you know, 19. 19- oh, yes. oh yeah. Okay. 1940s <laughs> hard boiled LA private Dump eye. Shit. Yeah. So- you liked it, did you say? Uh, look, it's not going to win Best Picture, but it does a very good cast, and uh, and there were a couple things in it I didn't see coming. So that's all Liam Neeson? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I got to yeah. look it up. <laughs> I don't think it's in the theaters yet. Does it have a good noir feel, though? Does it feel yes. like? Yes. Yes, which is what they're clearly going for. Yeah, we yeah. love that. I haven't watched much in the way of movies lately. I did see All Quiet on the Western Front, which is probably the last actual full movie I saw, which has been a while now. Oh, yeah. If you're in a hotel room and you don't have a DVR, what is what channel is on in the background? I uh, never watch television in hotel rooms, ever. Uh, I'm watching the local news in whatever city I'm in. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. If you could have a talent that you don't have, <laughs> what would it be? I would be a great dancer. Would you know? I love it. I've admired men who can dance really well. Yeah. Like ballroom <laughs> dance. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah it's a skill. Love that. I'd love to play the piano beautifully. Oh, yeah. I feel like you can. I just, we can picture you. No. Yeah, with a smoking jacket on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Those are good talents to have. If you could go back in time and solve a historical crime, which would you choose? And I think I know Meg's answer. JFK. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. There's uh, probably not a historical crime in the usual sense, but there was a woman who was murdered in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan when I was 15 years old. And the case was big news in town for a long time. And to the point where everybody who lived there was kind of had their eyes out to see if they could 
find her, it's assumed that she probably wound up in a ditch somewhere or in the Saskatchewan River. Uh-huh. And nobody, nobody ever solved the case. And it's bothered me now for 60 years. Was she ever found? Was her... Never solved. And there are some clues that suggest that they might be onto something. Okay, first of all, like you seriously need to go back and do this. One hundred percent have to yeah. cover this. Yeah. We need a podcast too to yeah. come on yeah. like your yeah. own this, backyard. That has this has original podcast written all over it. Yeah. If, if they solve it, of course. If they can't solve it, then it's just you know, another long sometimes but I mean sometimes like you can end the podcast with, you know, all the evidence points to Bill Smith, yeah. but they haven't arrested uh-huh. him or locked him up yet but if you've been following this podcast you know yeah. who it is now what i've seen a few podcasts do is they they shake the rocks a little bit or they go and you know brush the dust off something and then something mm-hmm. moves later after right. the podcast is done and then mm-hmm. it comes back that's always interesting your own backyard is a perfect example of that because right. when chris lambert started doing that about Kristen smart i don't think mm-hmm. he had any idea of where it was going to go or how it was going to jumpstart that investigation Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe I'll have to back in and look at the nurse. We are would love this. She was a we nurse. Can help you. She was a nurse. You should oh. absolutely do this. Sorry, was she was she a young woman or? She was. Yeah, she was in her twenties. I think whether early twenties. No, no more than twenty five. Wow, a single woman. Single woman. This sounds perfect for a podcast. This happens in. In the world, in America, and everywhere, right. all all the time. But it's but rarely does someone come from that hometown to be a huge true crime icon <laughs> such as yourself. Thank you. Uh, Correct in your hometown when you're that age. I'm telling New York. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sorry, but I'm excited. This is a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's really. I yeah. mean, the only thing that's going to work against it is it didn't happen in the United States. But uh, what do you mean? No, I mean I'm talking about in terms of what they're gonna what they're, what they're gonna want. Look, I mean, if we could add Dateline's ratings in Canada to the ones we get in the United States, we were throwing away money by not doing that. We had a huge audience there, huge. Yes. Um, he's like, you know, on a candle needle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even bigger there than he is here. But you know, I think it would be great. I think it's a great mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, all the case. Yeah. I love it. Okay, here's the last three very quick. Boat or train? Train. Okay. Train. Train travel is just glorious. Yeah. Winter or summer? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I live winter, frankly. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. a be- I got a better winter wardrobe. Okay. Dog or cat? Dog. Dog. Oh, that's a shame. Um, what's your favorite form of potato? Potato in what form? Uh, French fries with gravy. Mashed. Oh, mashed. Yeah. Like yeah. poutine? Well, it doesn't have the cheese curds that, that are so essential to poutine. But poutine is great. I mean, you know. If poutine is on a menu, I'm ordering it. Uh, That's how that works. This is actually a good question, which is well, yeah, what's on a menu that you will always order? And poutine, definitely one of them. Profiterole, definitely one of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like in the, some places in the South... And in like New Jersey, where there's all those diners, you can order wet fries that come with a little beef gravy on them. And that's good. I'm going to the wrong places. I've messed up. Thank you so much for doing this interview. We can't thank you enough. This was such a joy. Congratulations on six years. I can't. I heard about you right at the beginning and um, have listened faithfully all the way along. <laughs> now I know he's being sarcastic. We're putting that in quotes, and that's going. <laughs> Just kidding. We- Thank you. I so. love the two of you, and your podcast is great. I'll give you a couple of great lines you can use. I can't get through the week without a date with Dateline, and neither should you. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's good. Keith was unimpressed, I think. Oh. Without a date with Dateline, and neither should you. It always sounds better when he does. Oh, <laughs> oh do you have anything um, that you want to pitch to our listeners oh, yeah. to look for? Um, new episodes coming up, new podcasts. Uh, you go a, first. Yeah, the, the episode, it's a story about Brian Coburn. It is. And uh, we have been able to find out about him and 
and about the case. Wow. Everybody is talking about that case. The two things that I got the most questions about in the last year, one of them was Murdoch. Oh, yeah. Right after it. But after it broke, everybody wanted to know yeah. about that and wanted to know if I'm on mm-hmm. it. And the other is Idaho, the, the case that Keith is uh, is covering. Yeah, everybody wants to know about it. And then also, like <laughs> once the arrest was made, that only tripled people's interest because it wasn't who you expected. Right. Or it wasn't who they expected. It, it is such a fascinating story. And speaking of people's, you know, character development, as I was mm-hmm. talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where that certainly uh, applies. Fascinating story. Really? So, does this coverage really go into to Brian's history? To to sort of as as much as we're able to do. Yeah. You know, some of it obviously is obscured, but other material is there, and some of the similarities with other characters who a lot of viewers will be familiar with from history uh, are there. It's uh, I'm fascinated because just there's a lot of a lot of people are putting out. It's hard to tell what's correct and what's not. Does that make sense? Because people are just saying things. So, Having yeah. not covered that story for one minute, I know because I've read it a bunch of other places that like, you know, sometimes the sort of outside journalism, the bloggers and the people who are interested in the podcasters, sometimes that contributes towards sort of the march for justice as it did with Kristen Smart. And other uh-huh. times, probably more often, as in this case, um, yeah. It didn't. It was it, not helpful, and it slowed things down. And it also may have like ruined some people's lives, right? Mm. Yeah, because people were being harsh on the one of the roommates. There was some stuff happening yeah. right away that was not okay. Yeah, in, in many different directions, it, were, it was inappropriate. But the police, I, I will say, although they took a lot of hits in this story, they knew what they were doing, and they pursued the case. You know, yeah. Despite this sort of fury that was around them, which is Mm. really hard to do, like when you're a small police department that's not doing a lot of murders. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that must be unbelievable. Is Nate Eaton not on this case? Sorry. Did we did you tell me that? No, he's I think he only does Vallo. And then for this one, we get that young kid with the swoopy hair. John. Nate, I was talking to Nate today and, you know, his concern is that he's just a long Uh. way away. If move the trial, which they may do. Mm. Um, if they move it to Boise, then he'll certainly be doing it oh. or any. Oh, great. I have a story coming up in uh, the Washington DC area. It's going to air in June. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because at the end of it, one of two things happened. Either an innocent man was tried for a crime. He never should have been tried for, or a murderer got away with it. And it, Depends completely on sort of who you listen to. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's in June. Yeah. That's coming next that's month. In, that's in oh. June. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, that's that's the second half of June. Can't wait for that. Do we get both sides? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh that's great. Have you finished doing that one, Josh? I've finished doing everything except it's got to be tweaked a little bit here and there, but we're, I think we're done shooting it unless one of the people that hasn't talked to us decides to change their mind. That's the sort of thing we talked about doing uh, opposing sides of the, of the tale. Yes. Yeah. Which is still something that I want to do is that we take a case and we'll, all we need is the defendant to be out of custody, either because they haven't been arrested yet or because they're on bail pending trial. And one of us, like we'll flip <gasps> a coin. One of us, uh, Keith or I will do the defendant and they're, you know, maybe their attorney, their supporters, and then the other one will do the people on the other side. The, Are the, you kidding me? Right? I mean, how great would that be? And then we, and then like halfway, and then like halfway through or at the end of every act, we meet at Starbucks and you see Keith and I like yes. talking about, you know, well, what'd you, what'd you learn? What did he say? Oh, you, the cops would yeah. like you to ask this, you know, I mean, I think it'd be great. And we might still do this that. This is that'd be so right? fascinating. You have to do that. Please do that. Well, we got to find the, we got to find the right, right. case. And it's got to be one where you have access access to the guy who's either being accused or is under suspicion. Right. Um, right. But yeah. that could be like set up like the widower where it's multiple oh, nights. That would have been know. perfect. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Kind of stories do come along every once in a while. We just haven't found exactly the right one yet. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great thing. I'm glad. I'm glad that 
you're talking about doing that. We get so frustrated by the episodes where we can't decide, but we get so into it and our listeners get so into mm-hmm. it. There was the bathtub mystery that Keith did that we still can't figure out if he still did it or just not. Cannot and we are and he was tried three times. We can't figure it out. Right. And it's like we're at 50-50, we're at 80-20, we're at, we just keep yeah. changing our percentages. This is such a great idea. We mm-hmm. love this. Yeah. Not that Dayline cares what we think, but we're on yeah. board. Dayline does care what you think. We care about that. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, and Keith has the um, girl in the Blue Mustang podcast yes. that is sweeping the sweeping the nation. Yeah. Sweeping. Is the there nation. another podcast coming from either of you? Well, the Missing in America series is returning. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, I think any day now. I think end of May, beginning of June. And that'll be six episodes of each one is a different missing person. And then I have another podcast series, an original one coming in the fall, but I don't even know what it is yet. Okay. Wow. I I, I do too. And I'm starting in on that. I'm about to take a little vacation when I get back. I'm starting right in on this next podcast. I love those. Do you? You're just free to to go and go and go. That's great. Because, you know, when you're doing a TV story and you realize that you've written like 25 seconds of narration, the TV reporter, I think probably in both of us, you think like, I I can probably make that a little shorter. Right? Let me move some stuff around. Let me get that down to like 18 seconds, you know? But in podcasts, you got a two-minute story to tell. You tell it. Take three. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, are you doing more of those talking dateline where you're talking to each other i believe that we are i believe that one of the next things i'm going to be doing we're doing that thing called after the verdict where we catch up with people that you remember from dateline episodes of the past mm-hmm. I, I just recorded one of those yesterday and i am confident we are we have more talking dateline ahead of us which episode it will be and who will be interviewing whom i'm not 100 sure mm-hmm. yet but we're doing more of that because they they liked it and the audience liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or so Josh claims. I'm not so yeah, sure. This is not. This is my. This is our. <laughs> I'm do. paraphrasing our bosses. They <laughs> said they, they liked it, and sure. the and the audience apparently responded. I have a little secret for all of America. Keith hated it, but, <laughs> but everybody else liked it. But that's essentially what this is. Did you hate this experience? No, he loved this experience. I can tell. It's the company, you know. Oh. I can, oh. <laughs> Oh. oh. <laughs> thank you again thank for your time. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We can't it. thank you enough. Nobody's going to see this video, right? You don't no. post no. this, right? Okay. So, no. so I can't say this Keith Morrison mug available on Etsy, but uh, <laughs> we'll put, we can post it. We can post it. It's first. so. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll do, do that. that. Yeah. And he has the arms crossed too, it's which I like. so good. He does that a lot. It's, and it's such meaning. a good drawing. Yeah. yeah. I'd send away for it, but how embarrassing would that be, right? You're going to have to have someone else order. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I sent a different away, name. when I heard about those true crime candles with us in the togas, I sent away for one. And when I got it, the, the, it written on the, on the receipt was, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you made their day. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Actually, Keith, you should order it because someone would just be del- beyond delighted, that Etsy yeah. seller. The most terrifying thing of all is the pillow, though. Oh, the pillow. Exactly which pillow you're talking about, too. Oh. It's it's his face. It's just so your close eye. Up. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so close up. Oh, yeah. that's that's over the line. That's, that's quite a yeah. That's quite yeah, I know that pillow. Yeah, it's on it gets a lot of posting on Twitter yeah. about it. Oh yeah. no, that's even worse. With a, with a cute dog next to it. So if people, it's very divisive. People either want it immediately or they think that's Shouldn't too, he get the final say? I feel like you should get the final he say. It's your, it's I mean, your he's, he's, not, he's not getting a dollar from it, so I think you should get the final yeah. say. Oh. <laughs> that's his final say. It's a good reaction. Oh, <laughs> Happy my. anniversary. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Take Thank care. Thank you. We appreciate you. Bye. Bye.